for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey, I'm Alex, and this is Lunchbox Sunday Edition. Now, um, I want to thank everybody who's been listening to the podcast lately. If you haven't listened to the episode with, um, sorry, I'm screwing my headphones. Haven't listened to the episode about High Guardian Spice. Definitely go check that that out because that is a it's an interesting, weird attempt at something that like. Honestly, Crunchyroll had no business doing. They were doing well, and then they got pressured to st- to get into the original territory. Sorry about the burp. Um, and it just didn't go well for them. But for more of my thought, for more of my thoughts on that, definitely go check out the previous episode in the feed wherever you're listening to this right now. But today, I want to talk about something. I noticed when I was watching, because uh, I started watching um, the Apple TV show Swagger. And if you don't know what Swagger is, Swagger, <laughs> Swagger is an attitude. No, um, Swagger is a drama about a middle school basketball player who is really talented. And he's like just starting to brush up against... Like losing and not being as puffed up as he could be, and he's from the ghetto. I don't know what area they're in, um, but they keep talking about the DMV, um, not the Department of Motor Vehicles, like an actual abbreviation for a place. But they're in like the Maryland. They're in the Maryland. Um, they actually might be in DC, I think. But, um, the long and short of it is, is that what I noticed was, I know this was, um, uh, with another show, with a Netflix show a while back, which was, um, uh, Queen, which was, I think it was called Queen's Game. Um, but that, that chess show that blew up, that made chess, that made chess, like, super popular among young girls for a while. Uh, I think it's called Queen's Game. If you watch Queen's Game and you've seen any sports anime in your life, you know that Queen's Game is just a sports anime. She is a sports anime protagonist in lots of very familiar ways. That's why I did an episode about it. You can go and listen to that episode in the um, Queen's Gambit, I think is what it was called. But um, you can go and listen to that, to that episode earlier on in the feed. But... It was really interesting to me because I'm sitting here watching this, like, very, like, basketball rah-rah, like, show that's all about basketball and making its world about basketball and his kid's world about basketball. He's, like, breaking under the pressure. And then they had... They started doing things that are... 
very traditional sports anime things to do. Not even traditional sports anime, like traditional anime things to do. And I'm going to call this, they started having harbinger scenes. And if you stop and think about it, you probably know what a harbinger scene is. But what I mean by a harbinger scene is they have scenes that pre-propose a future you know, rival or opponent. And then that opponent is focused on in like the next game or like sometime in the future. And if you've ever seen a sports anime, like say um, one of my favorite is Kuroko's Basketball, which you can actually go watch on Netflix right now. And I actually did an episode on. You get those Harbinger scenes pretty often in Kuroko's basketball, actually. Uh, sometimes you as the audience get them by yourself. Like I think like I think the green-haired guy, it, you see first before anybody else in the audience does. But you encounter Aoyami bef- like with Kogami in like a very specific Harbinger scene from before. And later on in the show, those Harbinger scenes go the other way, too. Like, you encounter um, the main cast as a Harbinger to other characters. And it it fits together in a way that sets up the story and then gives you the story of that character or of that team or whatever it is. And... This is a clever way of Rick rolling you into the entire through the entire show collectively, or Rick roll or setting you up so you Rick roll across a whole week to the next episode. And the reason why I wanted to bring this up was because I it struck me as so specific. It struck me as so interesting and odd and that that combined with the like prevalence of anime like anime shows up in like places that I as a weird old taku just am like that's really really okay and that prevalence means that when you look at something like a harbinger scene in like the one of the now two, uh, almost in the same episode, actually I think in the same episode, um, harbinger scenes in Swagger from from Apple TV Plus, um, it it just you kind of can't look away from it. Like you're like, oh wait, they're doing this. They're like, this is, this is the way they've chosen to craft this story and this narrative. And the result, and it makes it a better show. It makes it a more compelling show. And when you see, like, the character or the move or whatever the Harbinger scene was like, hey, watch out for this motherfucker. When you see that person, it makes it more engaging. It gives it a... And I talked about this a little bit in my um, High Guardian Spice um, 
podcast that as of time of recording this, I literally released yesterday, but we'll have released on Thursday for you. But the, um, the long short of it is, is that that's a great way, those Harbinger scenes are great ways to slowly expand the cast. Because if you look at something like um, Haikyuu, which is hilariously still, still you depraved nightmare kids, my highest rate, my highest listened to episode. If you look at Haikyuu, Haikyuu excels at like, the not even the Harbinger scene, like the Harbinger literal frame. Like, look at this big motherfucker. He's gonna be a problem. But then they've established these characters and they're creating little offshoots off of the main story, little branches off of the main story that they can go back to and they can develop. They've already done that in this show. There's a character who's like a, there's a kid who's got like, like a mop of dreads, like a mop of started dreads and he's just an asshole. And then you realize that he's on the asshole team who is an asshole team because of an asshole coach who gets fired and then merges with the main character with the main um, character in the stories team. And then they spend time literally in a black in a black barbershop, which is amazing, expanding that kid's character. Expanding like really developing him as a side character and not just a bully in Jace's school. And it, it's a really good plot. It's a really good storytelling device. And it's a really good way to give the viewer a way to experience a secondary story in the same, in the same overarching story. It's a really good way to add things in, to have conversations about things, because one of the like amazing things about this show is there's this ever-presence of police activity constantly in the background. Like, you always hear sirens. You, like, whenever they're outside, you kind of feel the police cars around, and it's... It's very claustrophobic in a way that's like very like oppressed humans kind of deal. And the show's trailer literally said like we're gonna get into this. Like give us the time and we will get into all of that. But the show is also a basketball show. And the the way The way that it chose to bought to borrow, not necessarily only from anime, but the way that it chose to use a very anime style like Harbinger scene makeup really helps it. It really it elevates these teams that you're not spending a whole lot of time with to have just enough time on screen where like the guy who's like, really good at blocking shots feels much more like a threat than he would if you had to 
kind of draw that out over a game. And that's really the reason I used um, Kuroko's basketball to liken it to. is because it... Kuroko's basketball, the deal... It, so, just a quick rundown of Kuroko's basketball. Kuroko was the sixth man on a team called the Generation of Miracles. And Generation of Miracles was a middle school basketball team that was like... Not pro level... But you don't want to play against them. Like people treat those ca- those players still like they're pro level players. And so, what the character of Kuroko serves as? He serves as the harbinger to oh, this character's on this team. What the hell does that mean? And he just like looks. He's like okay. This is how this is gonna go. Don't let him shoot three is the case with one. He's an invincible nightmare monster is the case with another. Uh, with two. Or um, with... Uh, uh, I forget the guy who they call Mjolnir. But there's a character who's a point guard. And he is like a mile tall. <laughs> and he's like, yo... If this guy cared about basketball, it would be a problem. But he doesn't care about basketball, so he's just like a giant wall, and that's still a problem. But let's hope he doesn't care about basketball. And at some point in the middle of that game, they draw that out, and they, like, pay that off by making him care about basketball. He's like, wait, I'm going to lose? I've never lost. I think I want to win. And he, like, goes for it hard. And it's a whole different thing. But the... The borrowing from that kind of, like, dynamic of, like, you see the threat coming and the threat is just as bad as you thought kind of dynamic in a, in a sports drama show instead of just a sports anime drama show. Not that there's anything wrong with anime. Certainly not. I run a podcast about it. I've devoted hours of my life to it. Um, but it's really interesting to me because it shows a kind of mainstream thing of anime that I, that when I get first got into anime, did never exist. Like, you would never, you would never see people who make these things pulling from that so clearly. You would never see what you... You would never see the kind of, like, conflation with anime and cool so much so that, of course, we're going to do, like, a cool YouTube video harbinger scene with the next team. Because that's what that's what you do if you want to make a compelling sports story. I saw it in Kuroko's... Ba- I saw something like that in Kuroko's basketball. And... Is it a stretch that I'm, like, relating that back to... Uh, like a niche but super popular with Fujoshi basketball anime? Yes. But you also have to remember that when um, Yuri on Ice came out, the figure skating world went bananas because it was like everything the figure skating world wanted. 
And it was like everything the figure skating world kind of was about down to like traveling all over the world for competitions and junk. So it just all struck me very interesting. I want to make a Sunday edition about it. And on that note, if you like the show, um, new episodes come out every Thursday and Sunday. Sunday shows are more like this. They're more metatextual. They're more me thinking about concepts and fandom and all that stuff. Thursday shows are more about a specific show or a specific movie or a specific property. So, if you, like I said, if you like this show, new episodes come out every Sunday and Thursday. And you can subscribe in whatever you're using to listen to me right now. Um, and also, you know, tell a friend. Don't be like, hey, I like this dude who talks about anime all the time. Does it twice a week for like 30 minutes to an hour. <laughs> um, he's not that annoying, I promise. But on that note, I will talk to you on Thursday.